I'm so excited to be here today with Kendall. Uh, Kendall and I were able to connect at the Quest for a Spiritual Home conference in Chino, and we had so much fun talking to each other there. We thought we'd have a longer conversation here. So um, Kendall is an artist, and I'm eager to kind of pick her brain about a lot of the aspects of the work that she does. But first, Kendall, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about um, what kind of art you do. And well, maybe let's start with the Chino Conference. Um, what was your experience there? You know, how did it strike you? And was there anything that you brought home with you from there that, that um, would be life-changing, let's say? Maybe it doesn't have to be that big a thing, but just something in the way, in your perspective on things. Yeah, well, um... It's great to be here on your channel, Karen. <laughs> um, it's uh, the Chino conference was it was just so great. I think the being in person with people that you know I've been following uh, online for years. You know, um, to actually get to meet everybody in person, and of course, I'm part of um, the art group that kind of was a spinoff of um, with Sherry and uh, the we're called the bastions of beauty that's our art group it's a spin-off oh i love that okay you have a name now okay yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna put a link um to well i'm gonna i'm gonna put something in the uh de description section to have people maybe make a comment or something in the comment section if they're interested in getting more information about that because yeah. i know that you guys you don't put your discussions online yeah no but no. you do do them via zoom so you have people i assume from all over the country yeah and all over the world i mean we had we had some people that were in europe and calling in at like three in the morning for our <laughs> <laughs> i think they kind of have started doing their own meetings in their well, own that's, that's terrific so you're oh, expanding into the world yeah it's been really it's been really great so i got to meet some of those people in person which was which was really awesome just to spend time with them and talk to them. Um, to, I got, I had met Paul before, but I hadn't met Jonathan or, or John Ravicki. So it was really awesome to see them in person. And of course, all the talks were really good, but all the talk, like just outside of the official talks was really great too. Just, it was really great, um, you know, feeling in the room of everybody wanting to talk to each other and exchange ideas and it was great. I, I definitely go again as as long as it's not too far. I don't know, but um, but yeah, I I really I really enjoyed it. I mean, the talks were about all about home, and of course, I mean, I think it's the same as whenever I listen to Paul and Jonathan and uh, John on um, on YouTube. I get like these insights and like, oh wow, that's really interesting. I never thought about it that way. It's the same as when I listen to them. In, per in person too mm -hmm. um but it was it was just exciting to see it in person and the, their conversations in person were great with the way they kind of kind of build together in their conversation is is really really nice to witness with a crowd of people that were also in the same like wow they're so good at this place well i thought the way they had arranged the conference was so excellent why they have one person speak and then they have another person speak. And then they had the two of them speak to each yeah. other about what they had been talking about. So, you know, so oftentimes when you hear thinkers on YouTube, each one has their own perspective on the world. And then when they get together and talk, 
they're still talking each in their own silo because they don't know enough about the other person to be able to connect to their ideas. I don't know if you know what I mean, but you know, you have something. Yes. They're trying to find connections, but if it's, especially if it's the first time they've talked to each other, it seems like maybe they get there at the very end. Yeah. But here, these people have been talking to each other for quite a while, but then even at the conference, each one got to present some idea and then the other idea. And then by the time they were talking together, they were really connected. And so as an audience, you get to, you're almost watching all these connections happen at the moment. And you're like, yes, yes, that's what I was thinking too. (laughs) (laughs) I write little, I'm writing notes like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I have a whole book full of notes, but I haven't gone back. I did try to go back through them a little bit. And I'm like, what, what was I talking about? <laughs> so I'm not sure my notes are very helpful. I should go back and re-listen to the conversations, but it, you know, there's always so much new content that it's hard to go back. So. It's hard to keep up with everything. Yeah. So was there anything that particularly like you were part of an estuary group i'm assuming or were you in the one where justin was making the documentary well i was in that one where justin was filming i was like oh okay i'll be in the one where they're filming i don't want to be on film but okay but um yeah that was it was good i mean do you think that affected the openness that people were able to have i think definitely i think definitely i think that did I think the, uh, I didn't participate, but I think the um, paintball did too, you know? I think that somehow doing paintball really like made people more like, it's like Band of Brothers, you know? They were just like ready to go and they, you know, they it really opened them up to each other. And then, yeah, I think starting with estuary groups opened people up, kind of warmed people up to just that whole atmosphere of um, kind of openness and conversing that seemed to happen. I guess what I was wondering with my question was having Justin in there with a camera, did that dampen that openness at all? Or were people still able to just be really authentic? People were still able to be really authentic. And that's terrific. John Bendonk was leading that um, Uh group and he's very, you know, he's all in on (laughs) (laughs) on the estuary. So he was really like rallying and, you know, his kind of enthusiasm was kind of infectious. So we were all kind of going for it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think Jess probably got some really good footage, which is probably still cutting. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see the documentary. Although I think Justin has chosen a formidable task trying to capture this little corner and put it into a 10 minute documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's ever amorphous growing corner, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so you are an artist and you actually have found a way to make a living with your art. So could you talk a little bit about what you do and um, just yeah. tell us about that side of your life? Yeah, so I work in um, animation as a storyboard artist, um, particularly in animated feature films. Um, and I've been doing that I don't know, for about 15 years. Um, and I did go to school for animation and I, I studied animation and illustration up there by you at San Jose State. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I knew I, I actually always knew that I wanted to work in animation since I was a kid. And so I pursued art um, from a really young age 
and my mom took me to classes and all these things and I, I just drew and drew and drew and I never stopped drawing um but I think drawing for me has always been um although like while I love I you know like I love design and art and and painting and I not doing it but seeing it I'm not very good at painting but it's always for me it's more been a mode of storytelling because I really love narrative and stories like I'm endlessly fascinated with the way they work and that was another great thing about the conference like I got to meet Justin in person and I met another guy from our um, art group and we were just talking and we met last week actually last Saturday and just the three of us chatted on zoom about film and storytelling and it was great um so um yeah so I my work uh is a mixture of like art and storytelling it's almost like writing with drawings in a way and so I spend a lot of time thinking about like um the way stories work and like what can make this a story better and then I also put that into um you know, uh, practice in, in the boarding of the film. So I have, I'll get like pages for a scene and then I have to make that scene express a certain emotion, um, for that part of the movie. And so that, and, and that comes back to like principles in art in that, like, I'm thinking about, uh, composition and I'm thinking about, uh, in, you know, how to, um, like kind of you know uh, manipulate emotions in a certain sense with the imagery and the and the acting and sometimes the lighting I can um really roughly like with a little bit of shading indicate like maybe there's just a single light source on this character here or you know this foreground element would be like blurred out you know those sort of things just mm -hmm. to get like a slight mood in there to really sell the an overall idea or emotion in a certain area of the movie and that was one of the funny things about this class I took on on creativity at the beginning of every session like so his his classes were typically 10 weeks long we did two big paintings every week but at the beginning of the 10-week session he'd have each of us bring in a big journal he had to have a big journal oh, big one and with lots of blank pages and uh and then you're supposed to carry this journal with you everywhere. So anytime an idea strikes, you write it down because otherwise you're going to forget it. Sure. But at the on the very first session, he'd have us open it up, turn 10 pages in and write real big on one page. What mood do I want? And then turn another 10 pages. What mood do I want? And then turn another. So the entire book, every time you're 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 going long, you're going go and you you got this idea, and then you think, oh, wait a minute, there also has to be a mood. You always have to remember that every work has to have a mood. You know, it might be a happy mood, might be a circus mood, it might be a sad mood, it might be a contemplative mood, but there's always a mood. And then how do you use the the structure of art, all of the possibilities all you know the composition the colors all how do you create mood and and so when you said that I thought oh yeah I remember that <laughs> always has yeah. to be mood. so yeah. it sounds like what you're doing you said you're 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 writing with drawing so basically yeah. you're you're making a story come alive just through an image and and that's a kind of a like a data compression almost 
So there might be this really much bigger story, but it all takes place in one frame. Well, it's, 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 we, I do like multiple frames. Uh, like, so like I have to do, like when I have to board out a scene, I have to do like, here's this shot and the character walks over here. And then I like, you know, a different shot. And then I do like, what is he doing in that, that part? And then mm -hmm. the overall, like, I have to draw out like each thing. It's not as detailed as actually animating. Like when you're actually animating, you have to like, um, really bring it to, like, it's going to be seen on the screen. What I sure. do is never really the finished thing. It's just all the idea, the first, it's the first, um, impression of what this scene in this movie could be so mm -hmm. I, I get like a scene which is usually like somewhere for two to five pages in the script and the the script is probably like 90 95 pages overall and so I'll get like those pages at a time and I draw them out like a script page you know it look like that and then I have to go in and like, okay, this character says this and they're doing walking over here. And so I have to kind of like map out everything, including like the shots, the acting, sometimes the lighting, um, shots, acting, lighting. Yeah. And like the grand storytelling, which is like kind of the under, underneath all those ideas. Like mm -hmm. I oftentimes will think about having a, like if it's a really emotional scene where a character's gonna come in I don't know okay but then get to a, a, a low place in that scene say something that really is like at the heart of their character I'm gonna try to think about like where am I gonna position them on the can in the camera in that moment when they're saying this and um how am I gonna frame them it how am I gonna get them to this place you know in the room like across the scene and like then what's that shot I'm gonna use for that because I really want to sell like you're saying a mood and I want to evoke a certain emotion and also idea in in a, in that part of the scene, you know. Mm -hmm. and, so the so the narrative arc is sort of contained in the the trajectory of the person through the room. You're actually through that whole process. You're actually taking them from one mood to another mood yeah, from the action that's involved, right? Yeah. 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 So, oh yeah, that's another aspect of, is a kind of choreographing or we say staging like the action. So, you know, like if you were on the stage and you were acting out a scene, you'd have to figure out, or the director would, or you and the actor and the directors would have to figure out, okay, your character is going to enter screen or see a stage, you know, left and then come in and then they're going to go over here and they're going to pick up this thing and they're going to say that line and then you're going to hit your mark and go over there. Like all that stuff I have to do with the character and then position the camera accordingly just for that scene. And there, every scene should have a slight narrative arc. Mm -hmm. And of course the movie itself has a huge arc throughout mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds like what you're doing is pretty crucial to the finished product even though the actual work you're doing doesn't isn't visually available to the final viewer but it, it's embedded in a in a deeper layer of the structure which yes right so because that's pretty important that means that over the 15 years of your career you moved from doing something that was much simpler to getting to this place is that correct 
Kind of. Well, I mean, I've always been doing storyboarding. Um, but I now, now I'm 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 working on a project where I'm more involved with the story because I'm head of story. But um yeah, I mean it's story in well in feature animation, the storyboard artists sometimes are really involved in like helping to like create the structure of the story or help create the characters. And that's one of the funnest parts about about the job that I get to do is um yeah really kind of helping the director and and working kind of in tandem with the this the screenplay writer the writer to like craft the story and like what's it about and you can help kind of you know elevate the the overall story and, and help it to work better and um yeah when I first started I would I I kind of learned on the go <laughs> at, when I first started because I had uh, not that much experience from school and storyboarding or even story structure or any of that. Um, so I was really interested and I took like all the classes that they offered at, you know, at work or, and then we went to, sometimes we went to like some story seminars and things like that and reading and constant learning. I mean, I think actually it was store interest in story and filmmaking that kind of drew me to Jordan Peterson originally, which brought me to this little corner of the internet. I was looking up stuff about um, story and Dostoevsky and things like that. And then I, I found Jordan Peterson. I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. And that, I think that's my part of my interest in, in what he's talking about and Jonathan's because that they're talking about story structure and narrative pattern and all this stuff that is super helpful um, and eye-opening in my day-to-day -day job, you know, I, I use that stuff all the time. It's just, you know, as Paul Vanderclay says, it's like colonized my mind. That is so fascinating. But, but that tells me that when you were thinking about story and studying about story, and you started doing research about story, what was in your mind was to look up Dostoevsky. I mean, that's a big jump <laughs> from, from uh, fairy tales or, you know, animated movies to get to Dostoevsky and then from Dostoevsky to get to Jordan Peterson. So what was happening in there? <laughs> oh, that, that was because of Kurosawa. <laughs> you see, you know, the director. What's his name? Akira oh, Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was watching some videos about Kurosawa, probably on YouTube, and um, they were talking about how he, or he was talking about how he was inspired for some of his characters, by characters in Dostoevsky. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I started looking up more stuff about Dostoevsky, and that's how Jordan Peterson came up. So it was Kurosawa to Dostoevsky to Jordan Peterson. <laughs> One of the fascinating things about this corner of the internet is all the different trajectories of how people get here. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's fascinating. And so for people who are watching who aren't a part of this corner, it's Jordan Peterson, Jonathan Pajot, P-A-G-E-A-U, and I will put all this in the in the description section, and Paul Vanderclay. And Paul Vanderclay's part in all of this is that he sort of looks at the big picture of what all these people are doing. And then he does analysis videos on a regular basis to kind of help people figure out why all these things are connected. 
Right. They're immensely helpful. Like I often will watch one video and then I'm like, I got to hear what Paul's saying about it. (laughs) I always want to know what Paul's saying about it. Yeah. Or if something's happening where everybody's all doom and gloom about something, just turn on Paul and he says, hi, this is Paul. And then the whole world settles into place. (laughs) (laughs) He just, it's, he doesn't have like a fancy opening. He just says, hi, this is Paul. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, so now you you stumble into this corner. It has an impact on how you think about story. And now you can use some of those ideas to elevate what you're doing in terms of looking at characters and looking at um, developing story. Not necessarily developing the storyline because you're given a storyline, right? Well, actually... I- I can I can I help inform the storyline as well. I, it's kind of a back and forth. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a team team effort. So like the the director really has something that they're trying to to get out to say, you know. And um, I feel like I in you know my fellow story artists and co heads of story, we really help to um, to kind of rally around and you know, hash out of his vision, you know, and kind of help to like clear it. Cause you know, it's not super clear sometimes in their mind. It's kind of like, no, I think I, sometimes they know what they don't want and they, they're not quite sure what they do want. And it's kind of helping them to find it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And I think we're like the, uh, what, you know, thinking about all this stuff that Jordan and Jonathan and Paul talk about, helps me to see more clearly um what it is that we're talking about like in a in a story room on a given given day like we might be um trying to hash out a like a like a pivotal scene in the movie where the the character really is uh kind of coming to the end of themselves or you're figuring out what is at the core you know because every character has um something they're wrestling with and it, it, i feel like you know, understanding story and psychology and all these things helps me to really figure out quicker or maybe clearer, like, oh, this is that, this is, you know, this, this is what they're dealing with because you have to kind of, you're just making it up. You're just making up stories, you know, generally. And so um, it gives me a good grounding for, um, yeah, really trying, really helping, uh, the director say like I think this is what we're talking about this is the pattern that's going on here I don't necessarily I don't talk about you know Jonathan or Jordan or say oh this is this, let's look at this uh guy's video and talk about you know that I just bring up the I it just helps me to recognize what's going on and bring mm-hmm. it up in the story room well because I think it, when I listen to you it sounds like what you're saying is that story <clears throat> just as a thing is somehow deeply connected with reality. That within reality, there is a story. There is a big story embedded in reality. And so when you're writing a story or when you're designing a story, the stories that connect up with that larger story are always going to be more powerful or more meaningful to people. And so as you're kind of trying to see where is that thing connecting to this larger story? It all it, it opens up avenues in your mind. Oh, 
I see that connection. And then that just leads you to a whole new world of ideas, right? That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, um, yeah, having that perspective of that there is a grand story and it's just not all random and that there is a pattern, you know, here and there's, <clears throat> you know, kind of like what Justin Wells talks about, like, that's really helpful too. I've been watching all his videos. Oh <clears throat> yeah. So I want to put that in the description section too, because he just did this. Is it a seven episode series on the seven types of narrative? Well, actually it's an ongoing series. He hasn't oh, finished okay. it yet. Um, he's, but, but it's, it's on types of narrative. Right? Yeah. 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 I got this book cause he, he, he's going through it. This is the book he's going through and he's adding his own really great insight and it's super interesting. So this is the book that he's, well, let's call it backwards. The seven oh, basic, the seven plot basic plots. Yeah. And, um, he's going through what this guy is talking about and um, showing examples from films and, and adding his own um, kind of like revelations and things on, on, on interwoven in there. And so he, there's seven plot types, but because it's so dense, he, he makes like three on one type. So he's, he's at like, I don't know, the third or fourth one right now, making his way through all of them. Mm -hmm. He has time. Well, because that that's the nature of the world, right? If whatever whatever vista opens up to you, if you even a little part of it, it just opens and opens and opens. It's, and a fractal. Opens. <laughs> yeah. it's the fractal nature of the world. <laughs> well, so um, this whole idea of story and reality being connected, and I'll talk a little bit if you want to have some of your coffee. <laughs> that's perfectly okay. Um, that's exactly what happens to me when I'm painting. And I and so I think that this is probably part of every artistic process is that you have some sort of an image of what you want, like the director, he's got some sort of image of what he wants. But then as you begin to work, you realize, oh, I don't exactly know how to make this thing that's in my head show up on the page. So I'm gonna try this. And well, that's not exactly it. and. But, you know, but that does provide me some more ideas that open up this other thing. And so you're, it's always this back and forth between what that original idea is and then what is actually showing up in, in your work, because your work is always limited in many, many directions. Part of the limitation is your own level of skill. And so you can't make it what you want it to be because you don't have the skills available which is part of what keeps us always climbing because, oh, I need to go get that skill. <clears throat> but the other thing is it's not, you're not just limited by your skill. Sometimes you're limited by the nature of the materials, the nature of the tools themselves just don't lend themselves to doing what you're trying to do. So then you have to go and adjust your tools mm. or find a new tool or maybe just accept what you're getting and then find a way to weave that into the story. And so it, it's this back and forth thing all the time. And um, a few years back, I used to do this thing where I, I did it for like um, galas or events or fundraising parties or something like that for, for nonprofits where I would put up a big canvas at the front as all the people are coming in and everybody who comes in has to make a mark on the canvas. So they get a brush load of whatever color paint they want and they have to make some sort of mark. 
and you end up with this big chaotic mess on the canvas. And then after everybody goes into dinner while they're eating, I'm taking that chaos and making a painting out of it. And then at the end of the evening, they would auction it off. And, yeah. and then the auction would provide both um, money for the painting. Somebody would buy the painting, which I would have framed up by the end of the evening, or um, they would buy my time for another event that they wanted to do. So like one time I did a wedding and that was really fun incorporating all the guests from the wedding in this painting. Wow. But one of the things that would happen is that somebody would come by and look at the final result and they'd say, where's my mark? And I would say to them, well, your mark was very helpful to me because it informed the next mark that I made. But some of the marks are lying in a lower layer and they, and, but they're still important to the final result because if that mark wasn't there, I wouldn't have thought of this other thing. Right. 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 So that's exactly the kind of thing you're talking about here is that all of you working with the director are finding new avenues to kind of cl help clarify his vision, finding out what you don't want. Maybe those things have to be covered over the things that you don't want, but those things that you don't want that are covered over still affected the way you think about the next sure. thing. Right. They definitely, and we, well, I didn't tell you, but we do like iterations of the movie. So we do, I don't know, something like six to eight screenings of the movie internally um, within this, you know, within the company, within the studio. And we, um, so that, and that's a lot of work for the, so we, for the story artists. So we, um, we, you watch the movie in storyboard form. So just these little drawings that inform what's happening, you know, just to get a sense of, it's more for a sense of the story to see if it's working, if this is going to work. And um, yeah, so we do that like, you know, six to eight times and each time it's like, okay, no, not that. Okay, let's do this. And it informs where we're, go you know, we build on top of it, you know, and we couldn't get to the final story if we hadn't gone like, okay, yeah, that doesn't work. But because, you know, we got notes on that, you know, some people give us notes, they watch it and they're like, yeah, that's not working. I'm not really understanding what's going on there. It informs the next choice that we make, which informs mm -hmm. the next choice and the next choice. And ultimately, hopefully go making it better. Sometimes I feel like it's lateral. The worst is it's, oh, it got worse. What did we do? You know, but um, always informing, you know, the decisions and like where, you know, we're going, you know, to move forward. Well, so you have to have a certain level of trust in the people that are giving you the input. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and we, you know, think everybody kind of knows the process. It's kind of like, okay, give constructive, you know, notes and remember that you're, it's not your movie. Just try to help, you know, the team making the movie and the director, like, by you know make that idea better you know because some people might come in and be like oh I think you should do this and this and this and it's like okay well that's not helpful because um that's not the movie we're making that you <laughs> make that movie yeah that's so great I'd love to watch that movie when you make it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well it sounds like you learn a lot about community through this whole process right what it means yeah, very... to build community and a very you talk uh, about that a little bit yeah it's a very collaborative process where like you're doing all of the work that we do together 
by almost by yourself. Like you have to like sketch it out and then you put it and you look at it and then you have to have your own part of yourself judging it and say, no, that's not working. And be honest with yourself. Like we have to do that too, to a certain extent, but then we have other, we have, you know, people coming in and going, yeah, that's not working. Like multiple voices in, in the chorus trying to like harmonize and make one thing. And, you know, I think filmmaking is very much like that because it's almost impossible to make a film alone, you know, because it's just so much work. It's very collaborative, which is, which is kind of like the fun of it, you know, everybody working together to make one, one thing. And, um, you know, and I think the best directors can really try to synthesize the people that are working for them and like, say like, yes, that's great. That's working towards the go. No, we're not going to do that because that's, that's not really what we're trying to do here. I don't know how that fits in. Maybe, maybe we can use that in the future. Maybe that'll come back around. Sometimes that happens. Like, no, that doesn't work right now. And then, okay, yes, that works now. The story's gone to a point where that, that idea comes back. And so in, in a great way, it's very collaborative and rewarding um, to be a part of something, you know? It's also rewarding to be, to do your own thing, right? Like to create, like I made this. I feel like uh, what I do you know, what people do individually is like, they create a scene, you know, they, they do that by themselves, but eventually sometimes like a scene that I'll do, well, I don't have time to finish, finish it or redo it. Cause you know, a scene will, I'll get a scene, I'll board it out. And that idea works for that time. Then the story kind of moves into a new place, like a, like, Oh, this is a great idea. We should move it to this place. And then that will change the scene that I did. And it'd be like, okay, we have to redo that scene now to move it into alignment with a new story and then it goes to another board artist so we kind of work over each other's uh work all the time in that way it's very collaborative hmm. so. well what what that brings to mind is also like this dis distinction but well you were making this distinction between one person doing a project by themselves and then the, the whole movie and that would be like the difference between a vocal solo and then being in a choir mm -hmm. and both of those have a rich experience behind them being in a choir is like an amazing experience because you're just one little part of it but you can you can feel how that part fits in with everything else it's just amazing but it there's also another element of that when I think of <clears throat> how a story can be compressed down to just a very short scene like some TV commercials in mm -hmm. 30 seconds, they tell a whole narrative arc. Right. And, and then you also have a two hour movie that maybe is even telling the same story as that commercial told, but it's on a grander scale. And the same kind of thing happens in, in doing um, the kind of work that I do where part of the idea is that when you're making notes to yourself, you just have a little rectangle and you draw a tiny little sketch. that's like one inch by two inches or something. This is the basic idea. And in that basic idea, I have kind of arranged where people are going to be on the frame and what the value contrast is going to be. And that's enough for the basic idea. But if I tried to stretch that out into a painting and then just recreate what was in that little Mm. it'd be very boring it would just look like a poster or something and it wouldn't convey the same idea that was in my head so if I want to stretch it out into a large frame 
I have to add in lots and lots of other ideas, colors, textures, lines. Um, I want every square inch of the painting to be delicious. I want every square inch of the painting to relate to all the other square inches of the painting, but not so that it looks like a piece of wallpaper that's just one repeating pattern, right? There has to be variety that goes on in the painting. So in order to stretch that little thing out, you have to add in lots and lots of texture. And that's the same thing that happens with a narrative story. You have this 30 second story, but if you're going to have two hours long, there has to be lots of texture. Like you said, every one of these little scenes has its own little narrative arc. And then there are several larger narrative arcs happening in it. That's right. Yeah. And interesting when you talk about like, you start with a thumbnail and, you know, I start with a thumbnail too, like with my scenes, like it's very useful just to draw like a little thing. But a lot of times what I've captured in that thumbnail, I can't just, I'll try to just use it, but I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. I have to draw over it and kind of try to like re-feel what I was feeling when I drew that to like make it better for like a slightly bigger size. And mine are never as large as a painting. But it's also interesting because what you said is like the director starts with just like a little, little idea, right? And then he brings people on and people add to it as and add to it and it goes through all these iterations as far as getting that texture and that that life and just accumulating in a sense like all that value all that life that everybody adds to it ultimately coming to something that is not not, sometimes not very similar to the original idea but it 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 has like a life of its own and becomes something that uh, many people have touched and and he's kind of, you know, um, shepherded through the through the process to becoming what it ends up becoming, which is kind of like what you're doing on an individual level, but on a bigger scale with multiple people, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we did do a thing uh, one time where a group of artists started kind of like around the rosy or something. One artist started. And then they hand it to the next artist. The next artist has to work on the same picture and then they hand it off. And so then by the time it gets back to you again, it's very different than what, with what you started with, but you have to add and, and, and still try to get something coherent at the end of it. Like a yes. That's, and yes. that's the real challenge with a collaborative project, right? Is if, especially if you're all working as storyboard artists on top of each other's work, how do you capture what was, of benefit and had the right essence to it and everything bring that up into your work so that you're not throwing away the original idea you're just elevating it bringing more to it um getting it to come into line with the overall story yeah i mean i think that the director is definitely key in that because the director is holding the he's holding that vision in in their head you know I mean I think as a you know head of story and a story artist I'm trying to help hold it in my head but you know that's his job or her job to really like keep that in their mind and uh constantly be like uh kind of trying to you know inspire everybody else to like try to hit that mark you know as best they can and so I feel like when I get a scene that I have to work 
um, on top of somebody else's, a lot of times, a lot of everything works already. And I'm just trying to like, almost like hammer it into place in areas where it's not quite fitting the new idea. It depends on like what the new idea is. Sometimes it's like, oh, we got to totally dismantle this thing to like make it the new thing. But, but sometimes a lot of it, you know, sticks and I'm like, oh yeah, I can reuse that. I could reuse that also because it's like we're under time pressure and it's like, okay, I got to get this thing turned around in a week. I just, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. And it works, you know? And the great thing about um, animation is that like, I'm the very beginning of the process. I'm the very like the ground zero and like each department after me, there's many departments that to get to the final product of an animated film adds their artistic expertise to it. So it goes from us to the layout department and they, they might take my suggestions for camera work or they might not. They'll just, they'll try to do their own um, interpretation of what the best camera work would be. And then, you know, they're just moving the camera. You know, they're just setting up the camera in the computer, of course. And then it goes to animation and the animators are the performance, right? They bring that character to life. And so where I suggest acting in emotions in my drawings, they, they're, you know, they're puppeteering the um, in-computer uh, character and they're bringing the performance to life. They're taking that character and moving the face and the body and, you know, they bring everything to life. And then, you know, moves on to other departments like the lighting department and the lighting department is going to, you know, figure out what would be the best mood lighting. And all the while there's an art team informing all this stuff too. The art team is like in the very beginning, like the story team, but they're designing the world. They're figuring out the color palette of the world. They're figuring out what the props are going to look like, what this world's going to feel like. And they're doing tons of artwork to figure all that out because, you know, in animation, everything has to be drawn or, or designed. Eventually it gets modeled, which is kind of like, so hard to explain, like in the computer you would take, you know, you take the character and you you model it in the computer and that's what gets moved around as a puppet. But all that, it has to be designed. It has to be like, well, what's that character going to look like? You know, like um, simplified shapes and appealing shapes and design. That's what they do in the art department. They design the characters, the props, the environments, the colors, the overall costumes, everything. Have you noticed a shift in the last 15 years in the way, well, let me give you a little bit more context. One of the things that I, um, I have a daughter who's 28 now, so I haven't really watched a lot of animated movies for, I don't know, 15 years, maybe 20 years. I used to watch a lot of them with her, but, um, but recently I have watched a few and it seems to me like many of the new animated movies um, especially the ones that are designed supposedly to appeal to children have gotten very like almost frenetic with there's so many things going on. Um, the ones that do it well can manage all those <clears throat> different things going on and you can still follow the story. Like what I'm thinking of is Zootopia. Zootopia is got so many different things going on and so many different characters involved that when I first started watching it, I'm like, wait a minute, how do I catch the thread of this? But then it it came into shape because of the way they designed the world. 
and oh, I can see how these characters fit in this world. And then I could follow the story. But then there are some others that come around that I, I, I can't even follow what's happening in the first 15 minutes. I just give up on it. I mean, some of the modern animated movies are so crazy. There's so many crazy things going on at one time. Is that, are, is that just because they feel like they need to add more in order to keep people engaged? I mean, is there any move at all towards like simplifying things back to like a storyline? Well, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know why they they make the decision to like just add more. I mean, some studios are more focused on like making a really good story. And I think that the good story base is the is what's going to make the movie successful. And then you, you know, it's like you have a good foundation. You can put things on top of that. But sometimes I think people get caught up in the um, all the little details on top and they think that's what makes a good movie or that's what's entertaining and that's what people want. And so they kind of, because actually coming up with a solid foundation for the, for the movie is actually really hard to wade through all the other stuff to get to like the core of what, why people watch stories and what makes makes it work and then building on top of that that's harder so people um they're like oh let's put a joke in here that'd be funny and wouldn't it be funny if we had this because people really like that right now and while that stuff is fine if it has a good foundation it it's just distraction if if it if the bottom doesn't work you know and it just kind yeah. of like nothing's holding it together what you might say yeah, I mean, one of the examples I can think of is like the very first Transformers movie I thought was just so much fun. It was, you know, it, it's there's not any really deep meaning to it, but it was fun and and enjoyable. And then with everyone after that, it just got more and more and more complicated until finally there's all these monsters fighting each other. And I don't know who's on what side and what they're uh, fighting. About. Yeah. Or um, another example is the way any TV series works. I'm almost any TV series is the first season. <clears throat> they have a very tight cast and it's all working. And then in the second season, they have to add in two or three new characters. <clears throat> and then in the third season, they add in another half a dozen characters. And pretty soon there's so many people, so many narrative arcs, like what's the thread here? I've just lost the thread, right? They, they probably lost the thread too. <laughs> Well, so do you do you sit in on um, like story meetings where like um, like scene writers? Yes, sitting in and writing scene. Okay, so what's that like? Uh, th- that's like my like like my what I do like almost day in and day out these days. I'm in the room talking about what we're gonna what the movie's going to be about, and so it's like the um, well, like I'll just take like after we have a screening, so we have the movie, we've watched it uh, in storyboard form, and we've so we've presented an idea, like you know, you're trying to present a clear idea, almost just so people can react. Here's our best shot at what at what we're trying to say with this movie, like everything you know, we're trying hopefully working. Although a lot of times I feel like we're like, yeah, we wish we had more time, but here it is, you know. I'm sure, you know, people feel like that when they're showing thumbnails or paintings or like, this is kind of what I'm going for, you know, please be nice. Um, 
<laughs> and so you, you show it and then people, you know, they, they have reactions to it. And so, um, you know, you're in a room of other people that are writers and directors and story artists and people all coming together and they're going, I really liked this about this part. And I really felt like you guys were trying to say something like this in, in this movie, you know, a bad one is like, what are you trying to say? I don't get the main character. Like, what is their deal? Like, I don't like them or I don't understand them. And then you're like, oh, wow, bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, we failed. We got to fix that. Um, but when it's kind of working, people are getting a sense of what it's about. And if they're they're saying, yeah, this is what it's about. And you're like, okay, cool. That's kind of close to what we're, we're trying to say. Or, you know, or they sometimes people throw out ideas like I think it could be better if you did this and then we'll you know the director or we're thinking yeah that's a really good idea or something there's something in that of what what they're saying and so then we go back after we get all those notes and um, comments from the group we go it's like we have like a they're kind of like they just come in for that and then you go off with your your team and you go in the room and you're like what do you guys think about what so-and-so said and that was a really good note and so you're like you're holding the movie that you just made in your mind and you're also kind of thinking about the notes that people are saying and you're running a simulation in your head like yeah that could be that that could be good and if we were going to make that change here's the areas in the story that would have would be affected by that and we also have a team of production people that are taking notes and they're like you know that would require we have to get that back to the artist to draw it and we're going to have to get the writer to write pages for that and so it's this whole big thing of you know um rewriting the story and depending on how deep the notes cut um the changes are big or small so if it's working fairly well we're like oh that was good we don't have to make as many changes and if it's um a deep cut you know like you're like oh wow the main character is horrible and i don't understand i'm not emotionally connecting to them at all you're like okay we're gonna have to rethink this and then and then we would go back and talk about like, well, what could this character's arc be? Like, what are they really dealing with, you know, here? Like, what's this story really about, you know? And we try to drill down to another layer of, um, I guess, story pattern or structure or, you know, like mm -hmm. or patterns of reality. Like that's where that sort of stuff really comes into play for me. It's like, oh, you know, this character would be dealing with this. I mean, it's, a part, I think for me, it's like partially uh, psychology and partially story structure, you know? Because like psychology, you're really understanding human nature. Like what would it feel like to be that person in this situation? What would they be feeling? What What's making them tick and make the decisions that they're making? I feel like Maps of Meaning, although I didn't read Maps of Meaning like you, I've just listened to the lectures. I didn't read it, but it's super helpful in understanding how people move through the world, you know, and how they, um, how uh, they make decisions and or avoid conflict or, or seek it out or what pushes people to make a decision to, to be in conflict, you know, and for everybody that's different, right? Everybody mm -hmm. has different things that make them tick. And so what would make this character go on this very uncomfortable journey, which ultimately will be life-changing or, you know, will result in some transformation. 
but they're not going to go on that journey just because they decided to wake up and go out. You know, what is pushing them? What is pulling them? These sort of things are what we talk about. Hmm. That's so good. And I mean, that goes right back to some of the very earliest stories, right? Um, I still need to read Odysseus. I mean, Iliad and the Odyssey, I have never read that, but I hear so many people talking about it and that that's basically the story. And, and that has not really changed in however many thousands of years. Yeah, I really want to read Odysseus because I'm really, I want to read you know, uh, Ulysses part, but I'm also super interested in the Penelope part. I'm like, you know, like the character of Penelope that she's just waiting. She's just there waiting. And like, she's like, you know, uh, you know, fighting off the suitors and the people that are telling her just move on or just telling her like, he's not coming back or you know, marry somebody so they can have your kingdom, you know, like, and her son is like with her, like, I haven't read it. So I don't know exactly, but I'm really curious to read the interplay between their, those two stories. Well, maybe what we should do is commit to each other to read that and then come back and have a conversation. about. Usually I will, if I make a commitment to have a conversation about something, then I will read it. Otherwise I don't. I should probably also download it on audiobook so I can be like driving my daughter around or, you know. Oh, that's an idea. Yeah, that, that's a really good idea. Um, one of the other things that came up when you were talking, though, is you were saying, you know, sometimes we have we have to make a change and it might be a small change. But we have to think about what that how that change is going to affect every other scene in the movie. And that's exactly one of the problems that I have, because when I first started painting, I started painting fairly small paintings. So if at the end it's not working and you have to make a change, generally you have to change at least some part of almost everything in the painting because that one change has to fit in the final analysis. And if you're, if you're changing it in such a way that the rest of the painting doesn't fit, you have to make it all fit. But as the years went on, I gravitated to larger and larger paintings. In the last, I haven't painted for a couple of years now, but the last few paintings that I painted were like 48 inches high and 108 inches wide. And that was all fine until I came to the last painting, which has a kind of a mythological uh, point in it. And it's, um, it's about these seven women that are in the forest. And I've repainted it several times because I see it's not working. I need to make some sort of a change. And then that change means that I have to make the rest of it fit in that change. But I finally came to the place where I've made a change that I really like, but now in order to make that change fit, I have to redo the whole canvas. And I just... Every time I walk in and I look at it, I think like, I have oh. the energy for that. It's too much. So that painting just sits there with this <laughs> with this one change that was exactly the right change to make, but not the energy to get the whole thing back into a coherent Very relatable. view. <laughs> so I can imagine, like, if you've worked and worked to get this storyboard working and then somebody says, yeah, but there's that one scene... <laughs> 
know? Don't pull and, that thread. <laughs> yeah. When you pull that thread, the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Just like when you're talking about that, that's like, there's something about everything that has relationship. You know, there's like relationship seems to be at the core of like uh, reality in such a pivotal way. Like this relates to that, relates to that, relates to that. Like, you know, just in composition, right? You're like, you're relating elements to other elements and either harmoniously or not so harmoniously. Um, you're doing the same thing on, on a bigger scale in a film or you're doing the same thing in a painting and you're trying to get the right relationship of all the things working as one and it's uh and you strange how you're trying to do that in, in your life to hit your work and your family and everything in balance and right relationship uh right relationship seems to be at the core of being yeah, my, my teacher used to always say we don't paint things we paint relationships mm. so even if you're painting a portrait it's much less important that you getting all the eyelashes correct is much less important <laughs> than getting the relationships correct, right? So um, if the relationship between light and dark is, is right in the painting, then it will convey a certain mood. Mm -hmm. And if that relationship is not right, it doesn't matter what you do with the eyelashes or what you do with the hands or anything else it's not going to work. Right. It's interesting so, that there's a hierarchy of relationships. Yes. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I learned in that hierarchy thing is that the there's an order of seeing, and I've kind of forgotten the whole hierarchy of that, but the one that's at the very top is value. Right. But the that's first thing I see first. is dark and light. Right. And, and so you see dark and light, I think. And then the next thing you see is pattern. And then after that comes color. So color is kind of pretty far down the hierarchy, which is why if you're a, if you're a color artist and you want people to notice the color in your work, you don't make value an important aspect of the work. So uh -huh. you wouldn't use like dark and light colors in your painting. You would use colors that are very subtly uh, connected to each other. And then when you do that, and, and I, I remember a lot of the old Disney uh, movies from my childhood, if it's like uh, Cinderella or something, the pig, the colors were very subtle, like pinks and blues and, and lavenders all kind of in the same value register. But then you see them shimmering against each other. So it creates this kind of magical arena in which the story is taking place as compared to like Zootopia with all the yellows and reds and blacks and green. You're not, color is not such an important part of Zootopia as it is. The color creates this kind of circus atmosphere, I guess. But if you want this gentle mood, the colors have to all relate at the same value register. And uh, there's just so many, so, so many, many interesting things. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so did you did you have any questions that you wanted to ask, or do you feel like well, you've told your story, or do you do you have anything else you'd like to say, or do you have any questions you'd like to ask? No, I mean, I think probably like 
when I said I, the, I, it'd be great to get some, you know, ask you some questions. It's just like probably more of like me doing what you're doing to me, just because like I know that you've gone down the rabbit hole of how all these things connect, you know, like, I mean, we're just talking about it here a little bit, just talking about how relationship is so key to like so many aspects of art and just life and just, you know, and then you take it to the science level where you're just like, oh yeah, it's over here too. And it's over here too, which is so fascinating. Um, when I watch some of your videos with these very smart people that I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> Actually, it's more fun to talk to the, the other people just like me who are interested in science who aren't necessarily um, experts because then we can drill down into some of these ideas. Like when I'm talking to one of the experts, I don't feel like I can bother them too much with my own ideas. I just listen, mm -hmm. right? But then like yesterday I, I did an episode with, do you remember Ted from the Chino conference? Um, kind of a tall blonde guy. Um, did Paul anyway. have him on this channel? Hmm? Did Paul have him on? Yes, he was just on Paul's, he just uh, published on Paul's channel okay. yesterday, I think yeah, yesterday yeah. or the day before. And then I, I already had him set up for a conversation. So, but Ted and I did a conversation, not about his story, but about his interest in science because he, he was a biology major in college. And since then, he's just had a voracious curiosity about how biology connects to this hierarchy of reality and so he had been reading a book by a guy by the name of Daniel Toma called the hierarchy of being hmm. and so he and I got talking and and because we each feel like we can throw our ideas in there it just turned into this amazing conversation which I wouldn't be able to have with someone like say a Michael Levin who has all his research and he knows exactly what he's about and He's not going to be interested in whatever my ideas might be, but Ted and I could get those ideas together and see where they fit and watch the thing grow. You know, it's, um, cool. yeah, it's really fun. I, should, I have to watch that. Have you, you haven't published it yet? yet. No, uh -uh. no, I think it's, I think it's going to publish on Monday. Maybe I have like, I've been working really hard this week. I have six episodes that I did just this week because I were doing a family trip at the, oh at the beginning of next month. And I wanted to have enough content available for people while I'm gone. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Well, it sounds like maybe we're at a good place to end. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. This has been so great, Kendall. I've really enjoyed it. And if you do happen to read the Odyssey and want to yeah. talk about it, yes. let me know and we'll have a conversation about it. I did actually, um, maybe two years ago, I was having a conversation with a guy named Alex, who was very conversant with that story. And he started talking about one element of the story about when Odyssey is on, when, when Odysseus is on his way home. And, uh, or maybe it's Ulysses. Is it Ulysses? Odysseus is this, is the, is the, this journey itself, but Ulysses is the character. Ulysses. Ulysses is the character. I think it has the story or it has different names in Roman and Greek, right? I think uh -huh. in, is it Greek that his name is Ulysses and his name is Odysseus in the Roman one? I can't remember. 
Okay, well, anyway, whoever the guy is, when he's on his way home, this very interesting thing happens. And so Alex and I were, he told me that bit of the story. And so we had this great conversation about it. And just that much made me think, wow, I really need to read that story because there's a lot in it, but I just haven't gotten to it. So I'm going to put that top of mind and get to work on it. There's so much lacking in my education because I didn't have a classical education at all. And I'm, well, me too. I'm like, wow, I feel dumb. I didn't read that. <laughs> I'm trying to play catch up with all this stuff, right? And, and it forced when I'm going to have a conversation about it, it sort of forces me to take it in and try to understand it. So I, I, I did download the book because that that would be the best bet that I'll actually get through it as far as like getting through like like this one that like I was like, oh, I'm going to get that because, you know, just is going through. Look at this one. It's I like, know. Seriously. Oh right. And he took the time to read that and twice analyze it and and then make videos about it. That's amazing. Oh. So Justin also has a uh, documentary that he's working on about spaces, like living spaces and um, just spaces for humanity and the way we lay out our cities and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be super interesting. That will be really interesting. Yeah, very like exciting. Now versus how people used to do it and all that stuff are mostly like... Well, I, I, I'm not sure because I've only ever seen the trailer. He hasn't finished it yet, so but he does have a little trailer out, which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so let's do this again sometime. It's been fun. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for inviting me. And and here's a shout out to the the Bastions of Beauty. That um, if anybody's listening at this point and wants to make a comment about how they'd be interested in getting into a discussion group, do you want to just give a little plug for what kind of thing that you do in that group? It's really kind of like, it's very estuary-ish, you know, because we're all, but we just, we're all artists. So. Okay, so people listening might not know anything about estuary. So instead oh, okay. of saying estuary, just give a little description. Yeah, we meet every couple of weeks and we um, usually... Sherry, who kind of leads the group, you know, we'll throw it out to what do we want to talk about? There's this interesting video that, you know, she recently watched or this person put forward. Let me should talk about this movie or or sometimes we do art critiques, um, you know, like we're going to do an art critique one coming up pretty soon. Um, yeah, we all all kind of revolving around art. And, you know, it's not just visual artists. There's some we have some musicians and um writers of poetry and different you know we had a stain uh, like stained glass window artist for a while you know people come and go or they come back you know but um we have all different kinds of people in different various arts uh that mm -hmm. come together and just talk about interesting ideas or their art or yeah all kinds of things so you know and most people are in this little corner of the internet talking about these sort of ideas in relationship to art do you have a way that you would describe this little corner to somebody who doesn't know anything about this little corner? Hard. <laughs> I was going to go to the conference. My my mom was like, what is it? I'm like, I, I don't know. It's more between theology and philosophy and, you know, uh, literature. It's like everything. It's like a synthesis of all these things. So hard. Well, that that's really yeah. Just thinking about it as a synthesis is helpful. It's a synthesis of the meaning that can be found in in these various disciplines. 
and and what is drawing us together is the meaning and that's why so when you see the meaning in one of these disciplines it makes you kind of eager to see where it shows up in the other discipline and so then you get interested in all these various things right yeah yeah and how and where they overlap and relate to each other i guess yeah yeah maybe we're maybe we're getting closer to getting this written down in a in a elevator pitch (laughs) (laughs) one sentence go yeah well i haven't got it figured out yet so next time sounds really good kendall thank you so much for your time you have a great day you too bye karen okay bye bye